Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 8 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. With me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Gentlemen, Week 7, were you the hammer or the nail? Uh, I would say the hammer in season-long leagues. I, I have Latavius Murray or Chase Edmonds pretty much on every team. Um, and unfortunately for Elliot, I had to face him this week. I had uh, Chase Edmonds and Aaron Rodgers go off. So I apologize uh, to Elliot for that. But he's he's taking our dynasty league anyway, so I'm sure he's fine with it. On the dynasty topic in my uh, best ball uh, dynasty league, I have Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan as my top two quarterbacks. So uh, you can sense from that how my week probably went. Rayvon, how about you? Yeah, this was not a great week for me. Um, for one, I, I, I'm just pissed at the Chargers, uh, bet on them and, and thought they were going to come through. But every quarterback, it seemed like, that I had any type of investment in, whether it was season-long, DFS, didn't score fantasy points for a variety of reasons. Some got hurt, some were in games and just didn't do – like it was just a, a crazy week quarterback-wise, which uh, threw me off a little bit. So, uh, Sean mentioned at the top of the show, Elliot, uh, he's talking about Elliot Christ, who is our guest. He's the chief product officer at the Quant Edge and a longtime veteran of the fantasy industry. He is joining us this week to break down the players at the top of our rankings, uh, which, by the way, are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We are discussing the guys we are high and low on. We are speculating on some props. And at the end of the show, we are answering your Twitter fantasy questions. Elliot, thanks for joining the show. Of course. Really pumped to be here. Three legends of the industry. Thanks for having me. Uh, Sean beat me up a little bit, but... When you're starting Joe Flacco and Damian Williams in your dynasty league, you're not exactly expecting big things. To be fair, he inherited that team too. That wasn't his fault. (laughs) Yeah. So other than the bruises that Sean inflicted upon you, what are you taking away from week seven? You know, snaps and weighted opportunity continue to be king for the running back position, right? I mean, these these backup running backs, obviously, we didn't know Chase Edmonds was going to play that much. It could have broke the slate. It's one of the guys that I would have had 100% exposure to, 100% Latavius Murray. These, guys, these backup running backs that come in and they're going to see 90% of the snaps because there's no other running backs on the team are the guys that I want to continue to target week in and week out, regardless of matchup, right? Murray was competing with snaps with Dwayne Washington and Zach Zenner, who was signed like three days earlier. Even if the, the game script didn't go as he was still going to see, you know, five to seven targets. That's a Saints team that's targeted the running back 30% of the time for three straight years. Slightly inflated with Alvin Kamara, but still that's that's what they want to do. So I just want to continue to capture volume. And I'm not necessarily that scared of the backup running back as sometimes people get. Let's start by talking about the quarterbacks. At the top of our rankings, we have Deshaun Watson, who is facing the Oakland Raiders, Russell Wilson going against the Falcons, and Tom Brady going against the Cleveland Browns. Those are the three guys pretty consensusy at the top of our rankings. Elliot, uh, how do you feel about those guys? Is there anyone else that you would kind of put at the, uh, the top of the quarterback board? Yeah, I mean, I think Wilson and Watson are probably your two raw projected top quarterbacks this week. Any Anytime a quarterback has rushing upside, I mean, the Konami code, that rushing upside just creates such a high floor and 
ceiling. I mean, Lamar Jackson last week, right, had 130 passing yards and 26 DK points. It's anytime you can add that, it's it's something that I'm always looking to attack. And when you add in the fact that the Falcons secondary couldn't cover the three of us and the Raiders secondary just got shredded by the Packers and it's one of the you know bottom five secondaries in the NFL. They just traded Gary on Conley too. I think both those guys are in great matchups. And Tom Brady's a guy that I never play in DFS, especially at an inflated price tag. You know, the Browns should get both cornerbacks back. I just, I don't know if he's got that 30 plus point upside that I'm really chasing this week. Yeah, uh, I would especially be able to get open against the Falcons because I would be playing in the slot. I would Side. be the goal line, second blocking tight end <laughs> that you might throw one pass every four weeks to. Nice. Uh, outside of Watson and Wilson, who else are you relatively high on this week? DraftKings has done such a good job. DFS for quarterbacks is very different this year than it was in the past with the way they've kind of changed their pricing tier. And there's not really those four to five K cheap quarterbacks and great matchups that you can stream and punt. But this week, Ryan Tannehill takes on a Bucks defense that's there. I mean, their secondary is as bad as it gets right there. And their run defense is almost as good as it gets. So they're really a pass funnel. He did run five times last week. I think there's a way for him to get to 20 plus points in this one. And you know, I, I don't hate streaming him this week. All right corner how about you who are you relatively high on this week for me it's uh matt stafford this week he's he's my top um streaming qb i think i have him in the top five right now there's really a pretty big tier after the top two um as elliot mentioned you know watson wilson are the top two then it, it pretty much opens up i have about six or seven quarterbacks essentially within a half point of each other and i have stafford in that tier i think you know this week at home against the giants with Kerryon johnson out you know he's gonna have ty johnson and uh, jd mckissick um, fill in for him and they're they're really pass catching back so I think they're going to just lean on Stafford even more this week I feel like he's the type of QB whenever I have him in the top 12 he he rarely disappoints so I think with him uh, you know when they're going to throw a bit more and this week you know that's how they're I think they're going to attack the Giants um, he has a ton of weapons so so I love Stafford this week Sean to your point about having him in the top five actually all three of us have him in the top five right now I'm looking at the rankings and you and I I believe are the only two fantasy labs guys in our pro models who have him at the top of our uh, DraftKings uh, DraftKings models so uh, but yeah he's he's definitely up there for us Raybon who are you looking at this week I think Gardner Minshew uh, going up against the New York Jets coming off a short week is in a good spot. He's, uh, he's faced some tough defenses this year, New Orleans, Carolina. He still put up 27 on Carolina, but came down to earth against New Orleans. So, uh, you know, also Denver. I think people might not know kind of how to judge him, but this is actually a tough, tougher matchup for Leonard Fournette. The Jets uh, came into that Patriots game as, as a top five run defense. And I know they gave up the three touchdowns to Michelle, but um, I don't think it's going to be easy to run on them. And Minshew, has been a guy who he's played well, he can run a little bit, and that Jags offense is still going to have the advantage overall uh, on the New York Jets. So I think you you look to him for your top kind of streamer uh, DFS play. And then Teddy Bridgewater, if Breeze is out, I think he's another streamer. I don't like his price on DFS, a little high at 5.9K, but um, he's been playing well, still has Michael Thomas, you know, got, got other guys involved, Josh Hill and whatnot, and Matt Moore going up against the Green Bay Packers. Andy Reid doesn't like to run the ball. So, you know, even when they were up big against the Broncos last week, Andy Reid was still throwing the ball. It seemed like the the playbook was the same as with Patrick Mahomes. I think Green Bay is going to score some points on this Kansas City defense. So uh, if you need a desperation guy, I would look to more. All right, Kyler Murray is someone I'm still relatively interested in. I believe I have him uh, ranked number six. And going against a, uh, a defense in the Saints that has toughened up quite a bit over the past month, but I do like some of the individual matchups he has, especially uh, with Larry Fitzgerald. And 
Christian Kirk, I believe, finally is going to be coming back this week. I think those two guys have some great matchups in the slot because P.J. Williams, who usually plays in the slot, is suspended. Backup Patrick Robinson, uh, who was playing in his first game last week, uh, had a hamstring issue, so he's questionable. So the Saints really could be playing two, uh, two safeties as their slot cornerbacks against the two best receivers uh, for the Cardinals. So I, I like those matchups there. Elliot, give me a player you are relatively low on this week. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone you guys just talked about made a lot of sense too, but I, I talked about it at the top, but Tom Brady is just priced at a point where he, you definitely play him in season long, but at 6,600, I just think he doesn't have the ceiling to win you a GPP. And I'm, if I'm going to spend that money, I'm going to add, you know, a couple hundred bucks to get to Wilson or, or Watson. So he just doesn't really fit any format of, of game type that I would look for this week. All right, Sean, what about you? Um, I'm a little bit lower on Aaron Rodgers this week. Uh, right now, I'm QB6. I think his ECR is top three right now. Um, he's he's a guy I was writing up um, as a good buy-low candidate. I think it was after week five, after Aaron Jones had that four-touchdown game. Um, he was conceding so many short touchdowns to Aaron Jones. Uh, I felt he was bound for some touchdown regression, and I, you know, I did not expect a 430-yard five-touchdown uh, game through the air. But, um, you know, this week at KC, people, you know, might think that, you know, it's going to be a shootout, but with Patrick Mahomes um, out, you know, I, I think they're going to lean on the running game a little bit more uh, than we think uh, that that's definitely how um, they should probably attack this defense. So, um, you know, I, I'm expecting him to regress back down to, you know, 207 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm just, um, you know, managing my expectations from going forward is, um, you know, he's, he's going to be conceding some uh, touchdowns to the running backs. Um, and, you know, he was a great buy-low candidate in uh, week six, but I think this week I'd be selling high if I could. Yeah, and uh, to your point about uh, a potentially low-scoring game or lower-scoring game at Kansas City, the Arrowhead under with uh, Andy Reid has been one of the most profitable unders uh, in all of football uh, in the Reid era. Raybon, what about you? Who are you relatively low on? For me, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers just don't throw the football a lot. Now they're playing Carolina, who, um, you know, they're on by, so we might have forgotten that uh, one of the best pass defenses in the league forced Jameis Winston into a million interceptions, but they were, you know, coming into that game, uh, you know, excellent all season long, top 10 in early down success rate through the air. So uh, I, I don't think that this is going to be a week where Jimmy Garoppolo goes off. He's been kind of up and down, and I think San Francisco is going to continue to do what they do with the ground game. All right, and then one guy I'm relatively low on, uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, we all have him in our rankings, but, I mean, I think there's some uncertainty as to whether he even plays this week. And then if he plays uh, going against a Seattle defense, which is not what it used to be, but I think could still be fairly ferocious going against a guy who tends to be a, a pretty uh, pocket-bound passer anyway and who at this point would have uh, even more mobility issues with the injured ankle. So uh, if he plays, I'm going to be relatively down on him this week. Sean. Give us a prop that you are thinking about. I should say uh, everyone should check out the Fantasy Labs prop tool, which uh, for the NFL season, the bets uh, that we have graded with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate, a 61% win rate for all the bets with a uh, quality of nine. Uh, so a lot of uh, profitable possibilities with the prop tool, especially now that NBA is starting. Everyone should definitely check out for NBA as well. Sean, what prop are you interested in for quarterbacks? So at QB, I'm going with Matt Moore, total passing yards this week uh, at home against Green Bay. I think this is a critical uh, projection to get right because, uh, you know, that's going to dictate our projections for guys like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Um, so right now I have his line set at 248 and a half. 
I'm going over. Uh, we saw what Derek Carr was able to do last week. I think he went for 293, and that was without Tyrell Williams. And again, I'm not confident at all that Andy Reid goes to the ground game. And uh, yeah, I think Green Bay. Anyway, anyhow how you look at it, whether they run, whether they pass, they're gonna they're gonna score some points against this defense. So um, I, I think whether it's garbage time yards or it's just Andy Reid throwing all first half, um, more will get his yards. I'll take the under here. Uh, I'm a uh, Mahomes truther and a more pessimist. So the combination of those two things will kind of lead me to, uh, to take the under here. Although I, I am uh, very bullish on Andy Reid and think that he's probably one of the most underappreciated NFL coaches in history. Given three extra days, I could see how he could be able to concoct a, a game plan that could give more some, uh, some added value, but uh, I, I'm still pretty pessimistic on him. So I'll take the under. Are there any Matt Moore truthers like on planet Earth, like other than maybe his mom? Like, I, but yeah, I mean Matt Moore. That that number sounds about right. I'd probably lean a little bit over on that one, just because he also has a lot of guys that can get a ton of yards after catch, and and that number can blow up pretty quickly. We know how much Andy Reid loves to throw the football. One side note: I've never seen someone's head fit in their helmet less well than Matt Moore's did on the <laughs> <Night> football. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Uh, let's talk about some of these running backs. Elliot, at the top of the show, you mentioned uh, kind of the the dependability of volume uh, and how it translates to uh, what we see uh, at the, the running back position in production. Right now, the three, uh, the three running backs at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey going against the 49ers, a tough matchup there. Dalvin Cook going against the Washington Redskins on Thursday night football, a pretty nice matchup for him. And then Leonard Fournette going against the Jets uh, who were just demolished on uh, Monday night football. What do you think of the, the guys in the top three? Is there anyone you think should be in there? I mean, Saquon is someone who uh, obviously could have um, an argument. Yeah, I would, I would say Saquon certainly has a strong argument. You know, he's going to play 90% of the snaps, be involved in the past game. Um, shouldn't be in that rainy mess that was last week. But, I mean, those, are, those top three guys, are, they're all going to play 80-plus percent of the snaps. And Dalvin Cook has a little bit of risk, just blowout factor with Mattinson coming in, like in the fourth quarter. But McCaffrey, for me, is matchup proof. Anytime you play 100% of the snaps and see six, more likely eight-plus targets, it's really hard for you to have a bad game. Yeah. Uh, who else are you relatively high on this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't ever shut up about snaps and weighted opportunities. So I'm going to talk about Le'Veon Bell this week. I think this is where the Jets' schedule starts getting a little bit easier. And that as long as Bell continues to play 90-plus percent of the snaps and he's going to touch the ball 20-plus times, he's got some touchdown regression too. Um, I, I think Le'Veon Bell is a strong candidate. And it's Tuesday, so it's really hard to know news at this point. But if, Chase, if there are questions on David Johnson and Chase Edmonds is going to get the full workload again, at 6,200 with no other running backs on the team, I will be all over him again this week. That is really insulting to Spencer Ware, who I, I believe was just signed with, with the Cardinals. But yes, uh, yes. Spencer Ware is slightly better than Zach Center, but still not someone I particularly care about. Right. No running backs to speak of. Uh, Sean, who are you relatively high on this week at running back? So right now I'm assuming that uh, Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara will sit out this week. I mean, there's really no reason to rush them back at home against the Cardinals with their bye next week. So uh, right now I have Latavius Murray as my RB6. Um, he's a guy, you know, talked up all uh, preseason. Um, he's the type of running back I like to target around six or seven. You know, a guy that might get, you know, flex value even when Kamara's healthy. But if Kamara's ever out, uh, he's an RB1. And luckily, um, you know, we've seen one game already of that, and hopefully we get another one. Um, and then, you know, once Breeze ret returns, I think uh, Murray might hold flex value. I think, you know, they'll, they'll incorporate him pretty much in the marking room role going forward. So I think, uh, you know, 
Uh, this week, he's a smash spot, you know, RB1 at home against Cardinals. Um, you know, Elliot mentioned Dwayne Washington and Zach Zenner earlier. They combined for uh, nine snaps. So, I mean, he was a true workhorse back. Um, so he's a top six running back in my model. And then the other guy is David Montgomery. I mean, I talked up uh, Monty, uh, I think, last week or the week before. Um, I'm still sticking with him. You know, the, the Bears got behind pretty early. So last week, I'm willing to overlook that brutal game. Um, but, you know, he, he typically does better in games that the Bears win. Um, he's averaged 4.5 more points um, in their three wins. So, you know, this week at home against Chargers, they're minus four. I think this game script sets up better for Monty. So I'm treating him as, you know, a borderline top 20 running back this week. But I think he's another good guy uh, to buy low on right now. All right, Rayvon, who are you interested in? Well, it starts with Ty Johnson. Uh, mentioned Carryon Johnson. Looks like he's going to miss some time. So I think you want to add him on waiver wire. And uh, you might get a few weeks out of him because Carryon has missed time in the past. Uh, also on DraftKings, he's 4.9K. And, you know, going up against the, the Giants as a home favorite, I think that's a really good spot for him. I think McKissick got a little more work uh, last week because the Lions were behind big to the Vikings. So when, it, when the ball is on the ground, I think it will be more uh, with Ty Johnson. And then some other guys who going a little under the radar, Devontae Freeman, he's 5.5 on DraftKings and no Edo Smith this week. And Freeman has been catching a lot of passes lately, a lot more than we're used to. He's got, he's got a, a few receiving touchdowns over the past few weeks. And uh, Tevin Coleman, he's at 5K. Carolina, I mentioned, uh, they're out of the, outside the top 20 and early down rushing success rate on defense, but top 10 against the pass. So San Francisco, 33.7 running back carries per game. They have 202 running back carries. They've only played six games. The, the number two through 12 in the league have all played seven. So uh, like the upside for Coleman, even though he's probably going to split work with Brita. And then desperation, if you need him, probably Wendell Smallwood looks like he's going to be the lead back on Thursday night against the Vikings because AP has a high ankle sprain and Chris Thompson questionable as well. All right. One guy I'm relatively high on, I hate to say it, is Todd Gurley because uh, I don't want to be the, the Gurley optimist. But, um, I mean, he has six touchdowns in six games. Like, uh, he's still the guy who is scoring touchdowns for that team, and he has the great matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, which I, th I think is the, the real feather in his cap for this week. Every running back who goes against the Bengals just crushes them. Uh, with the London game, I expect that to happen this week. But Elliot, I sense that you disagree with me. Sean, I see on the outline that you disagree with me. Elliot, start. Uh, you can start. Tell me why I'm wrong about Tiger. I mean, I think he's certainly a guy you play in season long for that touchdown upside. And I'm not going to try to argue that the Bengals defense isn't horrendous at every, basically every single statistical category you can find against running backs, they're going to be bad at. My biggest issue with Gurley is, one, Jared Goff targets the running backs as few as any quarterback in the NFL. So he doesn't, he's not involved in the pass game. And two, I mean, he looks like dust, right? I mean, he, he has no ability to cut. He's basically just a vertical, uh, just a straight line athlete at this point. And it's, it's really hurt him, and he's living on touchdowns. And if he doesn't get those touchdowns, he's going to completely kill your lineups. And, I mean, it's specifically DFS, I can't spend 7400 on him in DraftKings this week. Yeah, in DFS, I definitely wouldn't want him, especially in cash. Sean, where are you uh, on Todd Gurley? Similar, um, you know, season-long leagues, obviously you're firing up as a, you know, low-end RB1, but, you know, 7,400 on DraftKings is way too high. I think his ceiling is a bit lower because, you know, they, they should blow out the Bengals, so you would think that they would, you know, find this game um, as a way to sort of limit his touches, so... Um, I'll be looking to see if Malcolm, if Malcolm Brown is active. I'll probably lower Gurley a little bit more. 
I just think they could use the second half to put him on ice. Um, and the other guy I'm low on is um, Derek Henry. I have him just outside the RB1 tier. The Buccaneers have been absolutely brutal against uh, running backs. The only running back that's cleared 40 rushing yards on them was Alvin Kamara. And they've faced some great running backs. I mean, they faced uh, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, 49ers, Christian McCaffrey twice. So, um, you know, I think the, the Titans will be wise to, to air it out this week. Um, and, you know, with Henry, you're always, you know, having to bank on a goal line touchdown. But this week, I, I don't know if you could bank on many yards. So he, he's going to have to score. Um, so I don't want to be put in that situation. I'll be fading uh, Henry and DFS this week. All right, one guy I'm relatively low on is Nick Chubb playing on the road against a very tough Patriots defense. Uh, Raybon, I believe you are also relatively low on Chubb. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and this is more of a DFS thing. I think, you know, rankings-wise, he's still a, a top 12 running back. You're starting him in season long, but you mentioned it. The Patriots have just been lights out, and I think it hurts even more that they've been so good against the pass because – Chubb has been kind of benefiting from getting a, a lot of that offense's touchdowns. Baker Mayfield has not been playing well. And so if the Browns can't drive the field, get into, you know, get close to scoring position, now you're relying on Chubb breaking off like an 80-yard run, which he's capable of, but it's unlikely. And I thought it was concerning as well that Le'Veon Bell, yeah, he got 70 yards on the ground against the Pats, but uh caught one of four targets for six yards. The Patriots just have a way about them of kind of slowing down these focal points of offenses. And they have good enough coverage to where, you know, they can, they can cover Beckham and they can cover Landry and they can still focus on the run. So uh, not feeling really good about Chubb and DFS. I'd rather go down to Edmonds at 6.2 uh, or just go up to uh, the guy that Elliot mentioned, Le'Veon Bell at 6.9. I think that's a great price for Bell. All right, Sean, what do you have for us for a running back prop? Um, so with Kerryon Johnson out this week, uh, I want to do Ty Johnson's uh, total scrimmage yards, the rushing plus receiving yards um, at home against the Giants. Um, right now I have the number set at 64 and a half. I'm going over. Just based on pure touches, I think he can get to 16 or so because he had double digits last week. And again, I think McKissick mixed in a little more than, than he would most weeks just because of the, the negative game script. So I think you'll see both of the backs. But um, Detroit, you know, Daryl Bevel uh, and, and going as a home favorite against the Giants team that may not even be able to score that much. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Bevel will still lean, lean on the run game enough uh, to get Ty Johnson over 64 and a half yards. Sean, I feel like you're pretty good at setting these lines, man. Like these, these, these are these are pretty sharp. Um, I agree. Over. I think at the end of the day, Bevel, the Lions want to run the football, and it's really hard for me to ever take an under against the Giants in general because that defense is so bad across the board at everything. I'll take the under here, not because I. I mean, I think this is a a really tight line, um, but I have a, a little more to the under here, so I'll I'll go under in part just because we really don't know what we have in Ty Johnson. McKissick could get more of the workload, and. Uh, I just don't really want to trust the um, the Lions offense all that much. Like they, they could lean a little bit more to, to the pass um, without, without carry on Johnson there. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. If, if they happen to bring back CJ Anderson or something, we'll uh, avoid this prop. I don't know about that. I don't like that as the person who has the under, I don't know <laughs> if I agree with that. That wasn't stated beforehand. Um, so yeah, I, I veto. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. 
Here to talk about animals and maybe a little bit of week eight is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, besides dogs and I am assuming rams, what is your favorite type of animal? Favorite animal growing up was a cheetah, still is. Not a fan of Tyreek Hill off the field, but a big fan of cheetah on the field. Let's get into week eight, the main slate. How are you going about uh, approaching cash games and GPPs? Well, we just got big news that on Johnson is is done. So that, that makes Ty Johnson a huge play on the slate. And I, I think that's going to be one of your locks. So after that, trying to figure out how you want to build around him uh, is a big factor. You have a couple of really big games in terms of totals, and uh, those will be chalkier options. And there's some really nice contrarian pivots as well. So uh, interesting week, and I'm excited. All right, at quarterback, who are you looking at? So I think Deshaun Watson's the safest, great quarterback to pay up for. Against the Raiders, we saw what Aaron Rodgers just did last week. Now at home, Watson, we've seen huge games already this season. He has rushing upside as well as a rushing floor. Even without Will Fuller, I think uh, he can have a really big game. I'm happy Kenny Stills is back, and he's my, my favorite option. Next would be Russell Wilson, who's a little bit more expensive going against this putrid Atlanta defense. Uh, he's on the road, but he's an awesome play as well. I uh, have Watson a little higher, and he's 100 cheaper, so maybe Wilson's a better uh, tournament play. And I think Matthew Stafford's interesting, as well as Ryan Tannehill, if you want to spend down. All right, at running back, who are you looking at? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be looking at Ty Johnson. I think he's a, a really, really, really good play. Um, we'll see what ends up happening. If they pick anyone else up. We're recording this here on Tuesday. But even at 4,900, going against this Giants team, he's way too cheap. He's going to get a lot of opportunity, and he's one of my favorite plays on the slate. Uh, Latavius Murray, I think on DraftKings also still is a really strong value at only 5,800. Uh, we saw what he was able to do last week. Obviously, we want to see what happens with Alvin Kamara, but Kamara's out. He's, a, he's the best play on the board or right there with Ty Johnson. And if Kamara's in, I still think he's a solid play. Don't mind David Montgomery. Leonard Fournette's really nice with all his usage. And then it gets tricky because we have some other guys who I'd like to play in tougher matchups. Some like Nick Chubb's been awesome, but he's going against this Patriots defense. And uh, Josh Jacobs, who I like as well, is going against Houston, who's actually been a little bit better than people think against the run. So uh, it's an interesting position, to say the least. At wide receiver, who do you like? Yeah, wide receiver, I think Kenny Stills is going to be really popular with Will Fuller out. I like him. I think he'll be popular as a stack with Deshaun Watson. You know, all the way at the top, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is another really strong play at 8,100. Outside of that, then you start getting into some sneakier GPP-type plays. Mike Williams is popping for me a lot. He's a big buy low in terms of air yards as well. Big upsides, touchdown regression, hopefully, coming for him. Uh, D.D. Westbrook just had a really nice game. I think he's interesting. Cortland Sutton with the Emmanuel Sanders trade going into Indianapolis, another guy that I want exposure to. And Keenan Allen's still too cheap at 6,400. Uh, disappointing second half, obviously, last week, but I like Keenan Allen quite a bit here in Week 8. And tight end, who do you like? Yeah, I was really happy to see Goddard finally go nuts. Uh, have a ton of him in best ball and, and season long. And uh, 2,800, I think he's interesting. Uh, it is a really tough matchup going into Buffalo, but he's priced way down. Going to be watching Evan Ingram. He was kind of hurt coming into the game, played really poorly last week. Just want to make sure he's okay. But assuming Evan Ingram's fine, he's a great play. Austin Hooper with the traded Sanu should see even more targets now uh, at home versus Seattle. Hunter Henry's a really good play, and hopefully George Kittle finally starts going off at some point. Off the board tournament play, I'd say, is TJ Hawkinson against the Giants. Definitely buying his talent and a good matchup here. Uh, and Darren Waller will be the chalk, and we'll see how I, I handle him. All right, and uh, are there any stacks that are a little contrary in that uh, you are considering for tournaments? 
Yeah, so I just mentioned Hawkinson. I think Matthew Stafford paired with any of the guys outside of Ty Johnson will be a little contrarian and potentially leverage off of him. I do think stacking Stafford and Ty Johnson also makes sense, given that Ty Johnson's a really elusive pass-catching back. But if you want to gain leverage versus the field, I think going something like Stafford-Hawkinson or Stafford-Galladay or two of those options makes a ton of sense. And uh, running it back with some of these Giants, I think, is a really intriguing play as well. Games indoors, and uh, I think it's a really good spot for the Lions passing game. All right, that was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week eight. Okay, let's talk about the players at the top of our wide receiver rankings. We have DeAndre Hopkins going against the Raiders, Michael Thomas going against the Cardinals, and Chris Godwin sneaking in at number three going against the Titans. Uh, Elliot, where are you with the wide receiver rankings? Anyone else you think should kind of be included in that top tier? Man, Chris Godwin has been something else this year just in terms of pure volume. That Titans matchup doesn't scare me. Patrick Peterson back with Michael Thomas. We'll see if he potentially shadows him. I I don't necessarily know that he will, but if he does, that certainly can impact Michael Thomas a lot. And The Raiders are horrendous. No Will Fuller. That probably leads to an increased target share with DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, I, I think in general those are probably the right guys. Cooper Cup could be in a really strong position this week where, you know, prior to these last two weeks he's just been yeah, going into last week, he was averaging 11 and a half targets per game, has a ton of touchdown equity in that offense, and the Bengals are out of corners. So if they don't do it on the ground, there's a really good chance that it's Cooper Cup. I think he's in the top tier as well, but those three guys are, are the top three guys for me this week. Yeah. So aside from those guys in Cup, who else are you relatively high on? Uh, Kenny Galladay. You know, Sean talked about it in the opener about Matthew Stafford, and I think Kenny Galladay is a great guy to go back to this week after he had probably his worst game in the history of his NFL career, right? I mean, last two years, he's seen like 27% of the targets or more in every game. And then he saw 4% this past week where Stafford threw 42 times. And I think he saw two targets. I think he's a really good bounce back candidate. The Falcons are continuing to get decimated up top. I think Metcalf is one of those guys that has a really high A dot and has an opportunity to take advantage of that. And Allen Robinson's just a guy that, especially in DFS, continues to go ignored, continues to go underpriced. He was going into last week, he was one of two players in the NFL with 40% air yard market share and 25% target share. He looks phenomenal and he gets, he gets the ball all the time. And so I think Allen Robinson's a guy I really like this week as well. All right, Sean, what about you? So I'm loving A.J. Brown right now at uh, 4,100 on DraftKings. Um, you know, they're at home, like I mentioned, against the Buccaneers. I think the way to beat them will be, you know, to throw it. Um, and, you know, the Buccaneers, they've given up uh, 10 receivers, have put up 70-plus receiving yards on them in the past five games. And we, we know how the Titans love to spread the ball around. So that, that means there should be enough volume that, you know, two of these pass catchers hit value. So, you know, week after Brown broke out again where – um, he put up career high in targets and um, receiving yards, I believe, um, and Tannehill's first start. Uh, that's a great sign. We all know Brown uh, is, you know, one of the most talented uh, receivers in this draft class. So, um, you know, the needle's pointing up on him. I want to get him while he's still cheap like this in a great matchup. So I love him this week. And the other guy, you know, I, I think Tyler Boyd um, is also, I think, sneaky at 5,100. He's disappointed the past couple of games, but, you know, he's seen 21 targets. Um, and, you know, with the Bengals, you know, they're heading into the bye this week. This could be a game where Andy Dalton realizes, you know, his career could be on the line this week. So um, I, I see him leaning on a veteran like Boyd a bit more uh, this week. And, you know, we could get some garbage time. Um, I'm not sure if Jalen Ramsey might be guarding on tape, but that, that could funnel more uh, targets Boyd's way. So I just think he's a good bounce back candidate, especially at 5,100 this week. 
Sean going with the Dalton fighting for his career narrative. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Raybon, uh, who are you relatively high on? Uh, John Brown. Uh, he was a guy at one point seemed like he was fighting for his career, going through some things. Um, really has rebounded strong with the Bills. Uh, 24% target share this year leads the team. He's 5.9K going against Philly, who's the worst defense in the league against opposing wide receivers. So love Brown. Calvin Ridley's a guy I think you look at because with Sanu gone, traded to the Patriots, you know, there's usually in a, in a given game, about 90% of the targets go to the top six. So that, that median is about 15%. And the, the number three and number four options are usually fighting uh, for that, you know, to get above that 15%. And Ridley caught the short end of the stick a lot of the time with Sanu and Hooper being there. Uh, but now I think uh, you're going to see a lot more upside games and, and fewer downside games from Ridley. So um, like him at, at 5.9. Corey Davis at, at 4.4K, uh, you know, for the same reason, Sean, like Brown, I think this is a, a run funnel defense. And Tannehill's had a lot better connection with, with Davis and, and the receivers, and, and Delaney Walker is banged up. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I think, is sneaky at, at 4.8. Jacksonville got, gave up a career day to Alex Erickson, who primarily plays out of the slot. And, and then Tyler Boyd, a guy who goes inside and out, uh, also racked up 14 targets. Uh, on them. So and Crowder's got a, a 24% target share, leads the Jets 27% of air yards. And Emmanuel Sanders, another sneaky play going against the Colts. Um, he can kind of find the, 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 the creases in that zone defense. He's a guy who uh, 27% of the air yards as well. And uh, I think the Broncos are going to have to, to throw a little bit because the Colts are going to, uh, to, to probably be able to, to score decently well on that defense, I think, after seeing what Matt Moore did to them. Raybon, I am with you there on John Brown, uh, pacing for a career best year, pacing for over uh, 1,200 receiving yards, which uh, I don't think people would kind of realize that he's having that that good of a season. Uh, and I think the big thing is that he's just avoiding those Valley games where, you know, he has like 15 to 20 yards. Uh, you know, his worst game is 50 receiving yards. Most of his games have been up around 70 receiving yards. So uh, a pretty decent floor there. And I think it's kind of amazing that he's doing it um, with, Josh Allen, who is a fairly inaccurate passer, but uh, Brown has a 73.3% catch rate. And I think part of that is just maybe because of the way that they're using him. Like if they're just throwing it deep, it might be easier for a guy like that just to go catch the ball. And in, in some ways, maybe it's easier for a quarterback with accuracy problems to to be more accurate deep if he's throwing it to a speedster. Um, yeah, Raymond, go. And, and maybe if you – Trade a guy who has like a 42% career catch rate to the Oakland Raiders, uh, you're a little more accurate. Because it's funny because like Foster also had like a 63% catch rate on, and he was getting all deep targets last year. He doesn't even play. Um, so I think Zay Jones was bringing down Allen's completion percentage a little more than we think. Yeah, uh, definitely the combination of, of those two guys wasn't something to behold. So uh, I'm with you there on, uh, on John Brown. Also, I'm interested in uh, DJ Shark. Um, I just don't have a lot of respect for this Jets secondary. And uh, he's such an explosive player that uh, really all it takes is one target. And he's, you know, still leading the team uh, or, or near the, the uh, team lead and target. So uh, interested in him. Elliot, who are you relatively low on? Yeah, I would say that your sentence where you said, I don't have a lot of respect for the Jets secondary was you added one too many words. The word secondary is certainly not needed in that sentence. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Tyler Lockett is a guy where I think he's a great season long play, but DFS at 7,100. I mean, he's gone over 20 DK points, you know, once in his last 21 games. I just don't know if he has that ceiling, despite the fact that the matchup's great. The, the volume concerns me at a $7,100 price tag. And Golden Tate's just not a guy I can play for his role in this offense. I, I don't want to spend 5,800 on him in DFS. I just, I, 
I know he had that big play against the Patriots that got a lot of people on him last week in a good matchup, but he just has an underneath game that I'm not necessarily looking. He's the kind of guy that I, I don't really ever play. Sean, you're also relatively low on Tate. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? And then who else are you low on? Uh, I'm fading Golden Tate this week, assuming that Sterling Shepard comes back now that Shepard's due either back this week or next week. Um, and you have Evan Ingram back to 100% and Barkley back. Um, there's just way too many um, targets or way too few targets to go around for all these players. So um, even though I love the revenge game narr- narrative with uh, Tate um, back in Detroit, uh, I'm fading him this week at that price tag of, of 5,800. The other guy I'm fading is um, Robert Woods. Um, he's a bit pricey for this matchup. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, it's safe to assume that the Rams are going to blow up the Bengals. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't expect Goff to air it out as much. And, you know, with um, Gerald Everett um, and even um, Tyler Higby to a certain extent uh, becoming way more involved in this offense, I mean, Gerald Everett sees five to ten targets a week. Um, this is a little bit different than we're used to with the Rams. So um, I think we could see one to two uh, pass catchers have a ceiling game, but you know, two or three of these guys could disappoint, and I, I think a couple could have a dud. Um, and with Robert Woods, um, you know, he hasn't caught a touchdown this year. And I saw, you know, there's there's a pretty negative correlation with um, Gerald Everett getting red zone targets um, over Woods. So I think, you know, Everett's, um, you know, expanded role could be um, sort of the sneaky reason why we're not seeing much any touchdowns out of Robert Woods this year. So uh, I, I think I'm lowering Woods' um, you know, the ceiling we typically see from him is no longer there. So uh, I'm fading him at 6,300 this week. Raybon, who are you relatively low on? I've got to be Odell Beckham Jr. this week. It, you know, he's just not um, in a spot that lives up to his name going against the New England Patriots, especially with Baker Mayfield, um, you know, to my chagrin, really, because I was extremely high on Mayfield, but playing absolutely dismally uh, this season. The Patriots have – They've given up one 100-yard game, and it was on that that 65-yard pass to Golden Tate that um, that Elliot mentioned. And you know, Jarvis Landry banged up. I think if anything, uh, you know, if he's out, it's even tougher. And if he's in, I think the Patriots, you know, they'll be more willing to to give up underneath throws to him. They'll, they'll prioritize Beckham and Chubb. So um, you know, have Beckham down, you know, outside the top 10 uh, this week, and he's probably going to to, to stay there, um, you know, throughout the week. I'm fading anyone who's going against Stefan Gilmore, uh, who is just playing at such a high level right now. Like, I don't know if we've seen cornerback play like this since, like, the Revis Island days. So, uh, yeah, anyone going against him, I'm looking to stay away from. Uh, also looking to stay away from Stefan Diggs, who I have to admit has had his best two games of the season uh, in his most recent games, uh, 19 targets uh, across those two games. Um, you know, the, the high-volume peak for him. Um, but uh, I'm just still relatively wary of uh, an offense that I think is, is very run-focused, even with Adam Thielen gone, and we should expect you know, more targets to shift over to Diggs. It's a good matchup, but um, I, just, I can't stomach the idea of having him in the top seven, top eight. I think of him more as a low-end wide receiver one as opposed to like a, a mid-tier wide receiver one. Um, so I, you know, I'm still, I guess, overall – optimistic on him i just uh want to put a little a pinch of pessimism within my optimistic strain sean give us the prop for wide receivers um so i'm going with kenny stills this week uh at home against the raiders uh you know with will fuller out this week um i I feel like i was being conservative with stills projections and he's still popping in our models um because he's only 4700 this week so needed you guys help to sort of sharpen it up Uh, but right now i have uh kenny stills at over under uh, 61 and a half receiving yards. 
I actually have him under. Oh man, I bumped it up for you specifically. <laughs> you know, I just think he is—he's a volatile guy, right? So yeah, he can. He's a hard guy to project just week in and week out because he doesn't need a lot of targets to get a lot of yards and whatnot. But um, I still think probably the median for him is going to be around uh, 3.5 catches, and that would put him uh, a little under that line for me. Sean, before you move the line to do Raybon sharp action, I'm also going to pound you on the under. I, I would be the third person to take the under there. The, the, the vol- I mean, this is a bet that I would never really make. Um, anytime I get these high high volatility guys, I don't necessarily like to attack them. But he, he certainly can go over on this on two catches. But in general, like like Chris said, you probably project him for three and a half, four catches. You give him 15, 17 yards a catch. It's, you're coming under that number. This would be a fun prop to points bet, you know, because it's – either going to be 30 or 100 right so right (laughs) yeah uh all right let's talk about the tight ends the guys at the top of our rankings george kittle versus the panthers austin hooper against the seahawks evan ingram against the lions a couple notable names missing uh no travis kelsey in there no zach Ertz. so the uh the complexion of the big three has definitely changed from where we were at the beginning of the season uh, Elliot, what are your thoughts on the uh, the, the tight ends? Uh, anyone you would include at the top of the board? Yeah, my, my big concern with Hooper right now is it's Tuesday and we don't know the status of Matt Ryan. So that it's really hard for me to, to give analysis on him. But I think Darren Waller, obviously, listen, I don't, I don't want to be a fish and just talk about the last big game he had. But as long as you continue to lead the league in market share of air yards and be up there in that 25% target share range, you're going to be in a really good position. And you know, I anticipate the Raiders having to play from behind in that game, and those are the kind of games we've seen Darren Waller have big games, whether it was last week or the game against the Vikings. The games where he's been real popular and gotten in trouble, like the Colts where everyone thought they were going to play from behind, and he had, what, four for 48 in the first quarter and then saw one more target the rest of the game because they wanted to go run heavy. So I think he's probably in that conversation. And, you know, Hunter Henry is a guy that as, as long as he continues this role of eight-plus targets, I think he's got an A dot of 12.3 this year, which is third in the NFL. Like, not among tight ends, but in the NFL. I think Hunter Henry is a really strong play this week as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there on Hunter Henry. Subpar matchup against the Bears, but great volume, great production. Small sample in that he's played only three games, so you still kind of want to see how it shakes out. But what we've seen out of him so far kind of confirms what we expected out of him entering the season and what he has flashed previously in his career. So uh, I'm relatively high on him this week. Uh, Sean, who are you high on? First off, I just want to say in regards to Austin Hooper, I, I, I don't really care if Matt Ryan or Matt Schaub are starting. Uh, he's still in my top three. I mean, we saw Matt Schaub. Uh, Hooper had one catch for, I think, like 12 yards um, until Matt Schaub came in with the last five minutes. And then he racked up like three catches for 30 yards and a touchdown Schaub. So Schaub's a guy that might pepper Hooper even more. Who knows? Especially with Sanugan. Um, but, yeah, I, I love uh, Dallas Goddard this week. Um, he's uh, 2,800 on DK. But especially for, you know, in season-long leagues, you know, he's got to be a top 12 tight end now uh, for me going forward. And he's always, you know, has that potential where if Zach Ertz ever misses time, he's potentially a top five tight end. So, um, I mean, he should be owned in every league right now, Um, you know, and uh, he's at Buffalo. It's not a great matchup, but he's really closed the gap um, between he and Ertz. So so I love him, even with the standalone value right now as a, a top 12 tight end. Sean, your analysis on Austin Hooper was reminiscent of the Giants coaching staff being like, we saw Daniel Jones do a couple of drives in practice uh, at the Senior Bowl, and we fell in love with him. That's, well, that's the equivalent of what it was. You know, I have him on like most of my teams, so I, you know, I'm just trying to mentally 
picture him doing good without Matt Ryan there. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see when the time comes. If I I, I can't get the Matt Schaub Hall of Fame performance out of my head. The Hall of Fame game, the opening preseason one, when everyone was playing showdown slates like a complete degenerate, having a great time, and Matt Schaub continued to pepper the Denver Broncos with targets. <laughs> preseason Hall of Famer, Rayvon. Who are you relatively high on? Tight end is another one of those positions that gets so ugly fast. Buffalo is a tough matchup for tight end, so Zach Ertz not getting, getting knocked down. Kittle's pricey. I, I like Eric Ebron at 3,400. Uh, he's a guy that you know, hasn't been getting much love because we, we thought he would regress in, in touchdowns, and he, he's still been solid. He has three this year, so he has a chance to um, maybe get to seven or eight, but he's, a, he's, number, he's still top 10 in, in air yard market share, and uh, you know, I think the Broncos are a team. You know, they'll, they'll have Chris Harris. Go up against T.Y. Hilton. I think, um, you know, they're a team that you're going to try to exploit them when they, they play their base defense a little bit because that's what they're going to try to do. So um, I like Ebron in this matchup, especially for, for 3.4K, and have him as uh, my number 11 tight end this week if you need a, a streamer. Raymond, you mentioned how ugly the tight end position is, and I, I feel like it's almost too easy to come up with tight ends to dislike uh, just because of how the position kind of shakes out. But, uh, Elliot, who is someone you dislike this week? Jared Cook's coming off an ankle injury, right? We don't know if he's going to be good to go this week. I'm not going to stream Josh Hill just because he's playing the flowchart Cardinals. Um, I, I think that the Cardinals are absolutely terrible against tight ends, and I want to target them. But if we're going to get in DFS like a chalky Saints tight end who might see three to four targets, I'm not, I'm not chasing that one. Okay, so staying away from the flowchart this week. Uh, Rhett Ellison might have something to say about that. but uh, <laughs> Evan Ingram would uh, agree with me. Right, but Rhett Ellison, right. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, Sean, uh, who, who are you staying away from? Uh, I mentioned earlier, but uh, Gerald Everett, I'm staying away from. You know, in season-long leagues, I do consider him, you know, a top 10 to 12 tight end going forward. Um, like I mentioned, he, he's sort of established himself um, as sort of the fourth target in this offense. We can bank on five to 10 targets. Uh, most weeks, but you know, this week at home against the Bengals, you can't expect that kind of volume. So, you know, one couple of these players, uh, these pass catchers are going to have some floor games. Um, and at 4,300, you know, uh, I have um, five players uh, between 4,900 and 5,300. I'm getting five more projected points. So it, it's just, it's worth spending up just a few hundred dollars uh, to reach into that um, second tier of tight ends. So um, at that price point, uh, I'll be completely off uh, Gerald Everett this week in uh, GPPs. Rayvon, who are you relatively low on? I already mentioned it, but Zach Ertz, you know, Buffalo, uh, number two against the tight end last season. Uh, same thing this year. Just a tough matchup with those safeties, Poyer and Hyde. Um, they'll focus on Ertz. So I do think Goddard probably has a better shot because, um, you know, he, he'll, Ertz will be the priority. And he's, Ertz is kind of sandwiched in, in, on DraftKings you know, between Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry. And I don't think it's the week to be contrarian and, and try to go with Ertz. I think you, you want one of those two guys or, or Austin Hooper, uh, you know, over, over Ertz this week in the tough matchup. All right. Well, I will be the lone voice in the wilderness that is fading Austin Hooper. Um, I, I don't think the matchup is too prohibitive going against the Seahawks, who, again, aren't what they used to be, but just hard to trust him in an offense that's diminished by the Matt Ryan injury. And I'm uh, going to be fading the, the Schaub to Hooper one-drive narrative uh, that is lingering from last week. Uh, Sean, give us the tight end prop for week eight. Uh, first off, I think Hooper's line will be like 10 catches for 50 yards and a two-point conversion. There you go. Bold call. Um, so uh, I, I think this prop is critical uh, this week. Uh, Travis Kelsey receiving yards uh, with Matt Moore. I mean, figuring out how low we rank Kelsey this week is really tough for me. So 
Um, right now, I have his projection at uh, 57 and a half receiving yards. I'll take the over. If I'm going to go Matt Moore over, I have to go Travis Kelsey over. And I think it, it really helps when that Tyree kills back. That gives you know that guy that's going to take the top off that defense, allow the middle to be uh, open a little bit more. I would love if Travis Kelsey would stop doing this thing where he just runs into the nearest linebacker and then falls over trying to draw a flag every other play that he <laughs> he's fallen in love with and would go back to being Travis Kelsey. But I'll, t- I'll take the over here. Yeah, same. I'm going a little bit over. I think he's a player where, you know, Freeman mentioned it, Andy Reid, great schemer, a lot of time to prepare. I think you can get Kelsey yards after the catch. And you mentioned it too. I mean, they've got to see on the film, especially with the extended break, you know, Travis Kelsey kind of, you know, getting in his own way a little bit at times. And, you know, this is how the NFL works. Things kind of even out and and guys make adjustments. So uh, again, I I just think that the the, the Chiefs are going to have to uh, get yards and, I don't against the Packers, and I don't think that Andy Reid is committed to doing that on the ground. Okay, I'm I'm either a donkey or I'm really threading the needle here because uh, although I'm going with the Matt Moore under, I am going to go with the Travis Kelsey over, uh, in part because I I do think that Moore is going to uh, to look to rely a little bit more on Kelsey, and I think Kelsey is is due for uh, a little bit of regression here. So uh, yes, going with the Kelsey over. Uh, let's close the show out by running through the Twitter questions we have. Actually, got a lot of them this week. Uh, pretty pretty pivotal week. Uh, lots of uh, injury news and notes, and so I think that uh, kind of impacts the way that people are are looking at uh, at waivers and things like that. So Elliot, I am starting with you. This is from Camille Sultan. Should I trade for Sam Darnold because of the second half schedule he will be facing? <sighs> I mean, I know it's a pretty good second-half schedule. You're still looking at Adam Gase offense. I, I think ultimately it really depends on league type, how desperate you are at quarterback. He's going to have some streamable weeks, but I'm certainly not trading for him to be the future starter of my roster. So I guess you can trade a very bottom-of-the-roster kind of guy for him. Yeah, I guess if it's a, a QB-heavy type of league, then maybe that's something you consider. But, yeah, it, it seems like uh, in most leagues you don't have the need to trade for a quarterback ever. Um, so that, that would be kind of my perspective on it. Sean, this is from Michelle Ann. At this point, I don't know whether to play both Boyd and Mixon. However, people keep trying to trade for Mixon. Why? Well, who cares why? You should uh, definitely get rid of him. Um, I, I think he still carries, you know, the name value. But, you know, right now I think I have him RB 28 to 30 uh, for this week. You know, the offensive line is brutal. He was standing on the sidelines. They had a goal line opportunity towards the end of the game. He was just standing on the sidelines. You know, you, you don't want a running back in that position on a tanking team. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, by the end of the season, like week 15, 16, when you're in the fantasy playoffs, they might be giving uh, Trivion Williams an extended look or something. So I would sell low while you can. Um, in, in terms of Boyd, I think you just hang on to Boyd. Like I said, he's seen 21 targets past two games. Um, just unfortunately hasn't put up you know, great numbers, but you know, a guy like that is better to have on a tanking team than a running back like Mixon. So I'd sell low. Sean shooting from the hip is Mixon the least valuable player in terms of fantasy for this season. Oh, you mean just like a healthy player that was drafted? Yeah, just however it is that you would define the 2019 fantasy LVP. I think Mixon has a really strong case for it. Yeah, Damian Williams is also there too. But yeah, Mixon's great call because he was what, mid-second round? He went first in a Early, Yeah, late first to early second, yeah. Uh, Unlike Damian Williams, who was injured, you were starting Mixon for a number of your weeks and you were just getting banged by having him in there. Uh, It's amazing that a guy who is averaging 12 carries and three targets per game has been as inefficient as he has. Chris, I'm kicking this to you. Nathan Coleman, ask, who are your favorite sell highs and buy lows for redraft? 
By lows, I mean, I think, you know, we tried, tried to do it with Mixon and that was the game for him to go off. So if you can get um, Corey Davis or, or, or A.J. Brown, you know, the Titans receivers, they look like they're in a better spot with Ryan Tannehill. And, and as far as sell highs, anytime I see a receiver just go completely nuts, uh, I like to, to try to sell high to just see if I can get somebody that will be a little more consistent. Um, so a guy like Marvin Jones, you know, his value will never be higher. Now, I, I think he is uh, still going to be, you know, wide receiver two uh, or high-end wide receiver three most weeks. But um, he's a guy who uh, overall, I think, you know, is not going to be as consistent and not give you another four touchdown games. This might feel kind of dangerous and people don't talk about trading defenses, but if you can somehow convince uh, someone that the Patriots defense is going to continue to score a ton of points, uh, I think you could maybe sell high on them. I'll take them. Uh, I'll take them. I'll take them right off. Yeah. Like this is unprecedented, but like right. they're, they're, what is it? Like one touchdown in 15 passing and 15 interceptions or something like 18, 18 interceptions. They're, yeah. they're, passing against the Patriots leads to a 35 quarterback rating and incomplete passes a 39. Yeah. Quarterback I mean, the, the Patriots defense is played. the, is the fantasy MVP of the season. They're, so they're far. breaking fantasy football. Every time they're not on the main slate, I get super excited. And then yesterday, <laughs> I, you know, you see that the Patriots defense is going to be 50% in showdown GPPs and they're priced with James White. Turns out they were the best play. <laughs> like, no, it's no, like the third, like, third. Like, this is unprecedented. Like, I, I'm big on, you know, I think a lot of times we have these, like, hard, fast rules, and there's always these, like, outliers, and I just try to, like, notice them, you know, at, like, before the season I started coming around, on, and it didn't quite work out, um, you know, with him hurt, but, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like, outlier. You can't treat him like every other late-round quarterback. Like, I think the Patriots defense is the same thing. Like, you just can't treat them like every other defense um, right now because they're literally – putting up, you know, running back numbers. And if somebody is willing to sell, like, I personally think you should try to float deals out if you have like extra, especially if you have like extra wide receivers lying around, like wide receiver three types, you package like a couple of those guys and you can get like the Pats defense and somebody else in return. Um, I would it's, actually, all about, it's all about knowing your league too, right? Yeah. You know, if you're playing a low end leagues, I, I saw someone post that they traded the Patriots defense for Alvin Kamara. <laughs> there's some people. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Chris, I think it, I think it cuts both ways. So I I agree with you that at this point they are the I think the clear number one defense, and they have a lot of point scoring potential moving forward. That said, if you can trade them to someone who values them as if they are going to produce the points moving forward that they have in the past seven weeks, because they're not like I don't think it's likely that they're going to score as many points moving forward on a per game basis as they have previously. Uh, so if you can trade them at that value, I think that's where you try to trade them. Well, here's why I'm not trading them. Here's why I'm not trading them. Week 15 at Cincinnati, week 16 versus Buffalo. Those, that's an amazing fantasy playoff matchup. I want them on my roster. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, next question here. We have uh, Elliot. This is from Michael Balk. Would you drop Damian Williams or Melvin Gordon to pick up Chase Edmonds? Yeah, I got to say, as someone who has way too much Damian Williams on all their best ball teams, this pains me to say this, but I think I'd rather have Chase Edmonds going forward than Damian Williams. He's kind of – we're talking about a guy that's splitting snaps three ways. He's not really getting involved in the pass game. There's no Patrick Mahomes. It's, and, and if something's really wrong with David Johnson, who's got a bum ankle and bad back, Chase Edmonds can win you a fantasy title. Uh, Melvin Gordon – I mean, eventually the man will run for over three yards, right? And as, as long as he's getting 16 touches a game, I, I'd rather have him than Damian Williams going forward. 
Yeah, Damien Williams, scariest environment imaginable. All right, Elliot, what content and tools should people check out this week at the Quant Edge? First off, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, you know, you guys are three of the best people in the industry, and it was fun to, to hop on a podcast with you guys. Uh, you know, check out thequantedge.com. You can start your free trial. We got betting and DFS tools, optimizers, wide receiver cornerback matchups, our injury-exclusive tool, picks on every game. So far this year, we've hit 62% across all NFL uh, games. So we're, we're really proud of that. So, you know, check it all out at thequantedge.com and start your free trial today. All right, everyone, be sure to follow Elliot on Twitter at Elliot Chris. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Ravon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. 